Hello, everyone, and welcome to HR Works COVID-19 Update. I am the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. This podcast aims to put valuable tools and knowledge into the hands and ears of you, the HR professional. Those tools will arm you with the best methods and strategies for attracting, motivating, and retaining top talent. Last week, we began to discuss some of the wage and hour considerations that the coronavirus has created uh, for HR um, with employment lawyer Maggie Spell. She is a partner at the New Orleans location of Jones Walker. She is back with us again today to continue that discussion. We're going to go over sort of what the legal landscape looks like right now as pertains to wage and hour violations and lawsuits. Uh, Maggie focuses her practice on cases brought under federal, state, and local employment laws, including the Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, the Americans with Disabilities Act, and the Age Discrimination in Employment Act. She regularly offers wage and hour compliance advice and has represented employers in numerous Fair Labor Standards Act, collective actions, and state law wage and hour class actions. Thank you so much for joining us again today, Maggie. Sure, Jim. Uh, let's, let's jump right in. Um, last time we talked about some of the different ways that employers might uh, accidentally get in trouble between their exempt employees, non-exempt employees. Some have had duties changed. Maybe classification changes are needed. Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit today about, I guess really the question is, are people still litigating in these in these cases or has everything come to a grinding halt because of the coronavirus? I think I've been busier in the last few months between <laughs> COVID-19, just general advice, and already an uptick in wage and hour work that has nothing to do with um, COVID-19. So I don't think anything's slowing down in this area um, going forward. The, The wage and hour world is one of those areas of the law where good intentions really don't get you very far. Um, it's such a technical area of the law that if you're not fully in compliance, it's a hotbed um, for litigation. And this is an area that trips employers up even under the best of circumstances, let alone during a global pandemic when employers are trying to keep employees healthy, safe, trying to keep their workplace open and, you know, keep employees employed. Um I think we should all expect that employees will seek out legal counsel if they're out of work or if they feel they've been mistreated. I regularly see cases where it's evident to me that, um, you know, Sally went to meet with a lawyer because she thought she'd been discriminated against because of her gender. But what comes out of of Sally's meeting with legal counsel is a wage and hour lawsuit. Um, It's just one of those areas where plaintiff's attorneys can sink their teeth in because it's so technical and they can recover fees um, if they're able to prevail. And and certainly with all of the chaos that's been swirling around most workplaces uh, since March, we can expect the plaintiff's bar to uh, take advantage of these hiccups, even if they're unintentional or they're well-meaning on behalf of their clients. So... We're already seeing uh, wage and hour cases being filed across the country at this point. Um, and I, I just wouldn't expect that to change. I think that's very important for our audience to hear. <clears throat> I think it would be particularly important for business owners. Um, you know, there's a concept that if everyone's busy right now, you know, the federal government's busy, the local state governments are busy, 
maybe you can get away with some more stuff. Uh, then there's also kind of the concept that these are special circumstances, so we get to do special things. And last time we talked about how some of those can really cause problems for you. Um, I kind of want to revisit each one of those issues and see what your take on on the um, lawsuit landscape is like. So, for example, we talked about how exempt employees got sent home, many MA cases, and perhaps their duties have changed. Have you seen litigation surrounding that issue? I don't know that there's been specific litigation on that issue yet, um, in part because of what we talked about the last time, Jim. If this is a temporary assignment of non-exempt duties, we don't yet know what temporary means, and they may not have come out of it yet. I think that particular area of the law is going to be more of a look back um, once either things get back to normal or people kind of wake up and say, hey, this work I'm doing isn't exempt work, or they go to talk with a lawyer about something else. I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily the focus yet of a ton of litigation, but I, I would certainly expect that's going to be an issue in the future. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. Um, one area where, and I don't know if this for a fact, but I'm just going to assume uh, when people get their pay cut, they get salty. And mm -hmm. as you mentioned earlier, salty people like to talk to lawyers. Um, I assume you have seen some activity in, in this area. Yeah. So we, we're monitoring um, the, the filings in the wage and hour cases across the country uh, so that we can look for trends and advise our clients about areas of focus um, that we're seeing in terms of litigation being filed by either current or former employees. Um there are a few categories that, that we're certainly seeing. And one, of course, is exactly what you just mentioned, changes in pay that are going to either impact the salary basis test potentially um, or sink employees below minimum wage, uh, for example. I know it's a little surprising because that one really shouldn't be all that hard. But um, certainly in a lot of the jurisdictions where minimum wage is higher, those lawsuits are already being filed. Um, New York, for example, I, I looked at a couple of complaints that were filed in federal court in New York recently um, based on a failure to pay uh, minimum wage. And also New York has some specific provisions about giving notice in advance of any sort of pay cut. So um, it's just a really good reminder that you need to be mindful of state specific and local. Uh, I think one of them was actually a New York City law. So and, and, and local laws as well, when you're making those changes, because it's not just necessarily the pay cut itself, there may be procedural hurdles that, that you've got to cross as well um, to be in compliance with the law. Last time we talked a little bit about um, uh, what happens when companies restore full pay to those people people with pay cuts. And specifically, we talked about the concept of making people whole. So not only restoring their full pay, but giving them, I think that means giving them all the pay they missed out on, or to some degree, some kind of bonus or extra money to sort of make up for the loss of money. And there were some issues that got raised because that can cause some, um, if I remember correctly, it's 
too many changes in the amount that exempt employees make uh, makes it look like maybe they aren't aren't salary. Um, but that's such a beneficial thing. Surely no one would ever sue anyone over that. <laughs> oh, the cases <laughs> that I've that I've handled where I start with essentially, can you believe this person who was earning hundreds of thousands of dollars now suing for overtime? Um, if people feel like they've been wronged in some way, they will find a way to do something to essentially get back at the employer. And everything is so uncertain right now. Nobody knows who's still going to have a job in six months. Um, So it's really important to do things by the book at this point in time. And and you're right. With respect to the exempt employees, um, one of the ways to make sure that you're not making them look like hourly employees, non-exempt employees is by changing their pay. Uh, We also talked about, you know, if you are giving something, uh, whether you call it a make whole payment or um, an incentive bonus, uh, you need to work with your employment counsel on exactly what needs to happen with that pay. If it's an incentive bonus, for example, um, and you told people at the beginning of the pandemic, hey, I know a lot of you want to work from home. Um, if you're willing to continue working in the office because we need a, a skeleton crew at the office, we'll give you an extra $1,000 at the end of June or whatever the case may be. Um, that is certainly not a discretionary bonus. Um, and that'll need to be added back into the regular rate to give those people a new overtime rate. Otherwise, you've got litigation on your hands for the the difference between what they were paid in overtime and what they should have been paid. And I certainly think we're going to see litigation coming out of of that area as well. Do you have any other cases uh, or areas that you think are interesting litigation-wise? I think one of the... um, Well, there are two other areas that I think are going to be heavily litigated in the wage and hour realm. Uh, One is going to be those off-the-clock cases that plague employers all the time, um, particularly based on remote work. If you don't have a great timekeeping system in place still for people who are working at home, make sure you get that in place and make sure that employees know what time needs to be recorded. Make sure employees know that they shouldn't be working off the clock. Um, and make sure that, you know, if somebody's always recording nine to five, nine to five, nine to five, but you know, they're sending emails at 8.30 PM, well beyond when they stopped working, make sure you're addressing things like that with the employee. Still pay them, you know, for, for time they put down, but that's the kind of situation where it can be, um, something you knew or should have known, that they were working off the clock versus you just have no idea at all because they're working remotely and no one can see them. Um, so I think timekeeping right now is is particularly important for people who are working from home, and and those will certainly those lawsuits will certainly uh, crop up. Um, and then I think one of the other ones, which is a little more nuanced and is definitely. Um, employer specific and fact specific is compensation for time spent uh, during screening protocols. If 
if you're having employees, you know, wait in a long line to get their temperature taken and to fill out some sort of questionnaire about potential symptoms, make sure you're talking with your employment lawyer about whether um, whether that's something that they need to be compensated for. It's going to depend, of course, on whether it's um, integral to the the work being performed. Yeah. Another thing that made, that it made me think of is uh, there's always all those lawsuits and litigation surrounding, you know, people donning and doffing before exactly. they go in. And now, I mean, in some places, that's a very serious thing now. And a lot of industries where people normally wouldn't have had to have put on special clothing to go work now have to put on all this PPE just before they can go in. And are they getting paid for that time? And do they think that they should be getting paid? I mean, I think we all know that there that a lot of employees are going to think that they should be getting paid for that time. But again, whether they whether they have to be paid for that time is is fact specific based on um, the employer and and what the work is actually that the that the employees are performing. So that's that's an area that is um, certainly ripe for litigation and and that you need to be monitoring with your employment counsel to make sure um, that you are dotting your I's and crossing your T's there. Well, thank you again so much, Maggie, for taking the time to join us today. Sure, thanks for having me. Um, I certainly don't envy uh, <laughs> all the things that HR professionals have on their plates right now. Um, to, to keep on top of everything during this public health emergency. Um, but it, it's certainly gotten the employment lawyers back in touch with a lot of their clients um, who are keeping in regular communication because I think you said a minute ago, things change pretty much every day and, and everybody needs more help right now. Absolutely. Listeners, uh... We are always interested in suggestions that you might have for what HR Works should cover next. Please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at HR Works Podcast. If you have any thoughts or concerns about the podcast in general, or if you just want to say hi, thanks for listening. This is Jim Davis with HR Works.